You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. (laughs) I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. uh, We are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! (laughs) It is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. (laughs) (laughs) We do a podcast? What the fuck? This is the story of Star Wars Month on the Fan Holes Podcast. The pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. You will know it is time to listen to the podcast when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Now let's begin. Hey guys, welcome back to another Ichawawa-rific episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your Lurdo hosts this evening, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow Lurdos. So why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike, and it wasn't me who got blowed up, it was Robot Me. Hey guys, this is Tony, and hey Luke, why you go take the penis ship? That's the good ship to take, the penis ship. They call it a blockade runner for for certain reasons, Jackson, certain reasons. (laughs) Alright, alright, so basically, this is another installment in our nitty-gritty Star Wars month of shows. We're basically sort of counting down to the whole Force Awakens thing, and... I guess, I, I don't know, did, did I force this stuff on you guys? I, I imagine Tony's heard of Droid World before, but, like, I don't think either of you have read Shadows of Endor, have you? I've never heard of them, but, like, I know you suggested this stuff. Yeah, 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 I, I, I'm basically, I'm, I'm taking the blame, you know? I'm saying, like, I, I was trying to focus on things that I either, for, like, Droid World, like, that I have basically super nostalgia goggles for. Like, you can't... You can't oh, yeah. convince me that anything is wrong with Droid World because I was like, you know, four or five years old when I first encountered it and stuff like that. But for for the listening audience, basically, this is going to be a two part episode. But basically, we, we are discussing the 2013, and and I think it's fair to call it like a graphic novel or a one shot. But basically, it's the the one shot titled Shadows of Endor, and that's what we're going to be discussing in the first half of the show. And then the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about the read along. Star Wars book, you know, it's either a book on tape or a record or whatever, but it's called Droid World, which is actually based on one of the old Marvel Star Wars comics. But I guess to to kick it off... I, I was going to ask you, Derek, real quick. Yeah, yeah. This Force Awakens thing, 
at the time we're recording this, it's really been under the radar. Is this? Do you think it's going to be a big movie? I don't think anybody's really excited for it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I don't see a lot of posts on it. Like I, I, yeah. I you know, no trailers, no nothing. Like I don't. There's a distinct lack of media coverage about it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I thought there was going to be toys or something, but I, I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No. You I know. I, yeah. I don't know anything about it. But anyway, what, but, you know, <laughs> you know, far be it from us to find like the littlest thing to tie into. But we're going to go ahead and tie into it anyway. So so we'll we'll, we'll start off with, you know, basically, I, you know, it was kind of like trying to pick things that like b- basically like Shadows of Endor is kind of like an old pick for me, like because I think it was something that I really wanted to talk about back when we were doing those comic book sidecast shows, you know, when we did the, like, video shows and had all, you know, everybody picked, like, a comic and everything. And and when this came out back in 2013, I was like, it was one of the few rare Star Wars books that sort of, like, caught my attention. And I was kind of like, what what is this exactly? Like, and, and you know, the title kind of gives you the indication of sort of what it is like you know you you've got endor in the title so you know it has to deal with ewoks but also it's kind of got that whole shadows of the empire nomenclature as well so you're kind of like oh this kind of takes in between you know it takes place in between certain aspects of of the franchise and everything i know i was thinking like it's weird, like, I, I'm just gonna say it, but Wikipedia says basically that, like, I, I think in the intro to this graphic novel, it says it takes place shortly before events in Return of the Jedi, and this basically kind of reminds me of, like, the TMNT movie from, like, 2007, where it sort of amalgamates, like, every single piece of Ewok lore into, like, a single comic text piece, you know, with art and everything like that, and it was kind of like, one of those things that just like fascinated me because I was like, oh, this is cool because it's like, it's like one of those things like, you know, I mean, we're all like fans of different media, whether it's, it's like Star Wars or Transformers or whatever, but you know, it's, it's like those, those ridiculous Transformers timelines that people tried to create where it's like, oh, well, this is where the yeah. Quintessons fall and this is where Primus and, and Unicron fought. And you're like, well, those two things totally don't go together. They still tried to sort of smash them together into like a single time frame. Like, we're going to make all this work, guys, you know, and stuff like that. And that, that's kind of that's kind of what this is. It's like basically like it, it, at least in my head and, and Wikipedia sort of disagrees with me. So we'll we'll talk about that when it comes up. But it kind of in my head, there's the Ewoks cartoon. You know, the e, 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 Ewoks, you know, cartoon or whatever. And it's like, there's the Ewoks cartoon, they had the Star Comics, and it's like all that stuff sort of takes place way before this piece. But there is sort of reference to it. I mean, you've got characters like Princess Nisa and Latara and stuff like that that were heavily featured in those cartoons and everything. And, they're, they and, play... the, and the art style is very much like the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they play a good you know, they have decent-sized roles in in this piece and everything. And then, you know, basically leading into this piece, then, you know, it's setting up the whole thing that the Empire has landed on Endor, that they're building the bunkers and the shield generators for the new Death Star. So, like, you're seeing the Empire encroaching on Ewok territory and everything like that. And you've got characters that are being forced into slavery and being captured and made to work for the Empire, like the Dulocs, who are like the bad characters in the animated series. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, Derek, because my memory is a little fuzzy about the cartoon, but 
if you wanted to, this could be a continuation because wasn't the Ewoks cartoon? Wasn't that like well before like anything in Jedi was like like wicked as a kid and stuff? Wasn't yeah, that it? yeah. I mean that that's how I always took it. Like I mean the 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 only thing that could could pose some problems, and I don't think it does. Like I I've sort of made my own headcanon that rationalizes certain things, but I mean as far as I'm concerned, the cartoon takes place way before Return of the Jedi, like way before the Empire ever shows up. Like there is there is a single episode where the Empire is involved in the cartoon, but it's so it's kind of removed from from Return of the Jedi. Like basically there's this doctor and he wants to get the Sunstone, which it's worth talking about because it's one of the artifacts that's in this this short story or whatever. But the Sun Star or whatever. It's like, it's basically this, you know, MacGuffin of great power. I mean, it's like if, if they were doing like DC versus Marvel or Avengers versus JLA and, you know, the Ewoks were somehow involved, like the Sun Star would be like one of the MacGuffins that the teams would have to hunt down along with like the Cosmic Cube and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like Prime's Matrix, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 basically this mystical artifact that usually Logre uses because he's like the the chief shaman or whatever. He's the mystic and everything. And so most times in the cartoon, it was like basically a, I don't want to say like a cure all, but it, I mean, it was one of those things where you know either it was something that was lost and they had to get it back, or you know if Logre was using it, then it would basically like fix all the problems. For the end of the episode, yeah, or or if like you know the the, the reason that like the Dulocks were their enemies is because they wanted the Sunstone. That's why they yeah. were always yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the 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 interesting thing is the 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 Imperial Doctor or whatever. He his whole thing was he wanted to go to Endor and get the Sunstar, and then he was gonna like present it to the Emperor as like some kind of gift, and it was gonna be like the ultimate power, you know, like this this kind of MacGuffin, basically, and he's like, I'm gonna present it to the Emperor. And through the course of the story, basically, like, the the main cast of Ewoks, you know, it's like Wicket, Tebow, Latara, and Nisa, they all get kidnapped and everything, and, and they get like, taken away and stuff, and they're captured by the Empire. But then this little droid, like, lets them loose, and and it's like, that doctor is the only person who really comes to Endor for all intents and purposes. Like, he comes armed with, like, all these big droid robots, and there are droids and everything. But I guess my, my point in, in telling you guys about that is, it's kind of like, well, I can rationalize the doctor must speak Ewokese or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, because he was like some kind yeah. of expert or something, and he already knew about the Sun Star even before he set foot on the the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and, and of course in the cartoon and and in this comic, is is for the reader and for the watcher. The Ewoks don't speak, you know, like their language. There's like little pepperings of it, but they they speak English. So yeah, yeah, and so on the cartoon, obviously they speak English. It's not like their subtitles are translated. So you you either have to assume that they all speak the same language or you know that that whoever shows up you know if it's like a droid i just imagine the droid has translated you know like somehow kind of like c3po or something like that that's that's my headcanon and my rationalization and everything now what's interesting too though is that they seem to indicate on wikipedia and i think they even said the author of this piece and, and we'll talk about that too we might as well mention shadows of endor is written and the art is also by the writer and his name is zach gialongo so and this like we said came out 
with Dark Horse Comics, and it was, you know, around October 2013 is when it was released and everything. Yeah, but I'd say this is like one of their last books before uh, Marvel got the... Before Marvel got the license back. Like, this is this is fairly recent. So it may be, I, I don't know, t- to me, like, I, I thought it was a, a gem in the rough, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know, if you've never heard of it, you know, maybe you want to give it a shot and check it out. I mean, especially if you're a fan of things like continuity and, like, tying things together, because if you're, if you're familiar familiar with anything covering the Ewoks, whether it's Return of the Jedi, whether it's the cartoon we're talking about, or, you know, whether it's the two movies. I mean, you guys know I love those movies, like, even though I make fun of them all the time. But, like, you know, the Caravan of Courage and the Battle for Endor and, you know, Sindel and, you know, Space Kuza, you know, and all that shit. <laughs> it's like, it's like, but see, that's my main problem. Like, the, the, this is my, like, uh, thing where people are like, well, you know, the Battle of Endor and and the Caravan of Courage take place supposedly in between, uh, according to the author and according to Wikipedia, like, you know how this piece ends and everything's happy to a degree, like the Empire's still there building their, their bunker and the, the Death Star, you know, shield generator, but for the yeah, most... Yeah, but they, they, they had a victory and they're like, we could fight, we'll, we'll fight those stupid Right, right, yeah, yeah, and then, and, and, you know... Wicket's now a great warrior and all that. You know, there's some character growth and this and that. So it's like it ends on kind of a happy note. And then and then it sort of cuts to the scene where Wicket stumbles across Princess Leia and she's kind of like, hey, point that thing someplace else. And so supposedly, according to, to Wikipedia and the author and the lore, supposedly Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor takes place in between those panels like that there you know eight months or something passed and and those adventures then now my problem with that is twofold (laughs) my one problem with it is well basically those movies were released long after return of the jedi finished so as a kid i naturally thought well these take place after return of the jedi yeah, were they like uh, 88 or something like that, or 87? No, it was, it was like, I think it was like 84 and 85, something like that, oh, or okay. 84 and 86. Like, I mean, it was later, but it wasn't, it wasn't like super, super later, oh, okay. you know? It's like, they were, they were like ABC specials and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember them, like, you know, like Wilford Brimley, you know, like, what's up with all these dead No, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, I mean, that's kind of what it was like. Now, I guess my, my problem with, it is, and this is something that goes back to the language thing. And it's like, I can rationalize the language stuff in the Ewok cartoon, but in Caravan of Courage and, and Battle for Endor, by the time Battle for Endor runs around, Wicket is like a freaking English master. You know, like, he's like, it, it's not just like, Space Kuza, crash, crash. Like, by, by, by Caravan, you know, after Caravan of Courage and the Battle of Endor, he's like, yo, Sindel, what's up, homie? Like, let's go, like, <laughs> you know, check out some shit on Endor. Like, I mean, he's basically, like, having, like, a full-on conversation with Sindel and Wilford Brimley and, you know, basically yeah. anybody who will fucking listen. Wicket speaks the language. Now, the only way that that Wikipedia can rationalize it is it's like because you're thinking like, well, if he knows all this, all these words, how come he doesn't understand fucking Leia? And how come he doesn't understand anybody but C-3PO when Return of the Jedi rolls around? And the only explanation they can throw out as like some sort of MacGuffin headcanon is, well, Leia and, and the rebels and all those guys, they spoke basic. But apparently Noah, like Wilford Brimley and Sindel, 
and all those other guys, they didn't speak basic. And it's just like, really? Like, that's the best you could come up? Like, I don't, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me, so that's my one thing, is like, that needs to be set way after Return of the Jedi. The other thing, which I think is more important that nobody fucking considers, is this. This piece, uh, Shadows of Endor, takes place as the Empire is encroaching on the moon of Endor, right? They're setting up the shield generator, they're setting up the bunkers and all that stuff. That made Endor this high-priority target, right? They had tons of fucking security, right? Like, what's the main plot of fucking Return of the Jedi? They steal a fucking shuttle, and they've got <laughs> fucking clearance codes to land on the goddamn fucking moon. <laughs> now, if fucking Wilford fucking Brimley and Sindel and her whole fucking family can fucking land on that planet in between those eight months, what, what did they have fucking clearance codes? Is Vader like, leave them to me? Like, no, man. Like, there's no way. Like, I don't buy that. Like, and, and, and beyond that, when fucking Wilford Brimley and Sindel take off at the end of the fucking piece, is there a big Death Star hanging in the sky? Fuck no! <laughs> it's just a regular fucking planet and everything. They've blown up the fucking Death Star. So, fuck Wikipedia and fuck all this bullshit. Like, Wilford Brimley's like on the comm link and he's like, you know, Lord Vader, you must let me land on the Force Moon of Endor. And like, Vader's like, Diabetes is strong with this one. Let them land. <laughs> it's like, no, I just, I don't. It's like, I don't, let me I, land. It's the right thing to do. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. So, so that's, that's my main point of reasoning for that. But just, just to I I illustrate, like, where around this piece takes place. But, I mean, basically, it, the reason why I dug it so much is it does draw from all those different media interpretations of the Ewoks. I mean, you, you start out basically with, the Ewoks and it, you know w Wicket and and Tebow are a bit older like they're starting to look like they would look in Return of the Jedi but they still kind of are done in that sort of cartoony style and all that yeah, kind of they're, stuff. They're, they're cutesy but they're like you know I mean uh, this is going to sound weird because I'm talking about fucking teddy bears but like in the, the cartoon they look like you know little baby cute kids and then this yeah, one they look yeah. kind of like teenagers yeah. yeah yeah no I mean yeah definitely like like especially Tebow like he looks yeah. he looks more like a warrior you know he's chopping up stuff with axes and stuff like that so I mean I it, it's it's just a, a, a you know a degree in the direction of them being a little older a little wiser type situation and stuff like that. And 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 so I, I guess the main plot of it is they come across this one-armed Duloc who's been accosted by stormtroopers. And then, you know, through him, they learn that the Empire is encroaching on their territory. And, you know, they, they obviously don't really understand it either. They're not... They're not really understanding. Yeah, yeah. They, they call the stormtroopers uh, skull faces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like they've never really met them before. I mean, you know, you could argue like, oh well, in that Ewoks episode, they they sorta encountered some stormtroopers, you know, but mostly it was a bunch of robots that worked for the Empire. So well, yeah, actually, not only do they call them skull faces, but they say straight out they're they're demons. They're like the demons are here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so it's 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 all kind of very, you know, it's they still have that kind of, you know, tribal civilization and stuff like that. So they don't they don't completely understand what they're seeing, but you know, it, it's it's interesting too because to me that also rationalizes why you never hear or see about the Dulocs after the cartoon. 
because you, you imagine, oh, well, fuck. Like, I guess the Empire riled all of them up and, and got them all into, like, you know, all these slave camps and death camps and whatever nasty shit the Empire does to, to the populace when they take over a planet. You know, it's like the same thing they always talked about with Wookiees. I imagine, like, all these Trandoshans and Wookiees and Dulocs are, like, doing slave labor somewhere or whatever, you know, because... You know, that's uh, that's what I imagine. You know, they they go off and, you know, you know, basically a lot of these guys are herded up and, you know, they're they're trying to help free them and stuff like that when they're building the shield bunker and and all that kind of stuff. And and for any 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 listeners who uh, aren't familiar with like the Evox cartoon or this canon of like the pre Return of the Jedi, the Dulocs basically and I'm not I'm not really trying to be funny, but I guess it is kind of funny. Basically, imagine if the Grinch had a whole family. They look pretty much like Grinches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're kind of like Grinches, but they've got like <laughs> war paint and little little skulls and armor, and usually, you know, I mean, it, it still is basically primitive. You know, they run around with like staffs and spears and bows and arrows and stuff. And this one-armed Duloc guy at some point does get a blaster, so they they are kind of encroaching on. You know, there there's always that point in some of these pieces whether it be the cartoon or the the caravan of courage or battle for endor where you know occasionally an ewok picks up this thing and goes what do i do with this and pulls the trigger and like you know shoots a couple guys or something like that so there there is that aspect to that in this where the the technology i, I, did, I did like that one scene i did like that one scene where they uh come across the uh, biker scouts and uh low gray he makes like you know this illusion and then like they, they tear off they're like fuck this we're out of here and uh, I guess it's Tebow. No, it's not Tebow. Is it Tebow? Uh, I, think, I think it's Paplu that's with Logre. Paplu. And Paplu is like, oh, I want to ride one of those. And I think Paplu is the one in the movie who jumps, who, on, the who jumps on the speeder bike, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's there's lots of cute touches like that where, where that comes up. Uh, another thing that, that got me kind of excited and giddy in terms of continuity and just seeing ties like that is you, you're talking about Logre and Paplu going off, and they sort of have this side adventure. And basically, Logre takes the, the Sunstar, and, and he's trying to commune with this Witch of Endor. And, and the Witch of Endor is a character named Sheral, and Sheral is actually one of the main villainesses in the battle for Endor. Like, it, it was actually first portrayed by an actress, and she kind of had the the armor that she has in that, although, you know, her face looked a bit more human and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, she, she, she's got kind of like a raven motif, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, basically she was like an evil sorceress. I mean, she had this little ring, you know, she could turn into a beautiful woman and trick Sindel and and then you know put the cloak over her face and then she was the evil raven lady and she could turn into a bird and follow people around and, and all that kind of stuff and the, the evil sorceress Bav Morda no, <laughs> yeah yeah so you know and and so just the fact that they they used her in this and she's fighting with Logre who is the Ewoks you know main mystic good guy like that's kind of cool in that you know in that sense you're like oh that's kind of neat they're they're taking aspects of the the canon but mixing it up and and you know it, it presents a good versus evil battle that makes a lot of sense but then some... you... oh, oh you're probably gonna hit on it now aren't you so i'll go ahead and let you finish i know no, 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 gonna... no, no. go ahead go ahead go ahead i will i think you're about to say this i didn't mean to cut you off but i was uh-huh. like and also for people who who miss the eu the expanding universe um, she reveals that, like, not only is she, like, not just, you know, this witch mystic person, but, but she's actually a knight sister of Dathomir. 
yeah, so so there's that aspect to it too, which I guess ties into like a lot of the expanded universe novels. And then the the thing that I thought was cool is I guess even if you're not familiar with any of those novels, the the one thing of this that is still canon in the post Disney world is the the Night Sisters of Dothamir because they were in the CGI Clone Wars TV show. So and 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 the the author actually said he directly took some of her fighting techniques like there's the scene where it, where she's fighting with Logre and Paplu and then you see like the the dead bodies like come up the like skulls and whatever you know those kind of like zombie things that come up out of the earth to attack them and so that's straight up from the Clone Wars CGI TV series because they had the old lady from the Knights of, uh, you know, Knight Sisters of Dothamir or whatever. It's like, there, there's this episode where Asajj Ventress, like, comes back to the sisterhood or whatever. Yeah, because she, she then, was one of them originally. Yeah, yeah, and so, like, Grievous comes after her or whatever, and then there's this big fight between the sisters and the battle droids and all this other stuff, and in the middle of that, they, to, to I guess, you know, their, their reinforcements, I guess, turn out to be, like, all these dead sisters. So it's yeah. like, you know, and, and, and so that's supposed to be sort of a, I guess, a future past, you know, timey-wimey tie-in to that whole... A callback in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because it, it's interesting because you're thinking about it, you're like, I, I don't know exactly how old this lady is supposed to be, but, you know, according to Wikipedia, she's been around for like hundreds of years, you know? So you're like, oh, okay. You know, that, that, that is one thing I, I, I've always been kind of... Uh, critical of is is because uh i love star wars i mean especially the, the the original trilogy and you know whatever prequels whatever it doesn't matter you don't have to we don't have to get into that but one thing that always kind of did kind of piss me off about the original trilogy and especially with the prequels how they kind of muddled it up is like okay you got like yoda and he's like 900 years old and you're like okay cool whatever he's a long-lived alien and stuff but they tend to kind of insinuate that like if you're one with the Force, you can live to be really, really old. But in the prequels, you know, you have Obi-Wan. He's, like, probably, like, at the very fucking most, like, 40 by the time uh, Episode 3 is over. And I'm being generous. He's probably 35. And Star Wars, you know, only 20 years have gone by. So he's, like, maybe 55, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, he's, he, but he looks older. And he looks more, you know, and he dies, you know, not to be mean, but he dies pretty easily. And then you have Anakin, he's like probably barely close to 30 by the time episode three ends. So he's like maybe not even creeping up on 50 yet. And, you know, then you have Sebastian Shaw, who was probably in his late 50s, you know, uh, by that time. And it always just kind of, it didn't gel with me like, oh, I thought it was supposed to make you long live. But then you have the sisters of Dathomir and you have the Emperor and you don't know how old the Emperor is. He could be fucking you know, centuries old, and you have the witches of Dathomir, who obviously are incredibly long-lived, and I'm like, how does the Force really work as far as aging? Does it, like, some people, if you're if you're evil, does it make you live longer? But then they have the Force, it's one of those timey-wimey things that makes my head hurt. I guess, so. I guess you could, I guess you could argue it's, it's all in how you use it, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, you, you could have this, this great power and use it to help people your whole life, you know, do, uh, altruistic Superman type thing and thus you will age normally or you could focus all of that power inwards. It's kind of like 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 Mike when when we did that show on the the Angel and Faith stuff and they had what Giles's aunts and it's like yeah they have magic but they sort of 
are selfish and they they use it on themselves just for youth and beauty and that kind of stuff and and maybe you could make the argument that the the night sisters you know maybe you know at least at least in this case Sheral you know like she sort of left the order and went off to do her own thing for herself so maybe she's just kind of selfish and you know uses the power to keep herself youth youthful but you know maybe you know because she does that she's not she's she's not quite as yeah, it, it corrupts you, and you you get older, but you're still you're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe she's not quite as powerful as as other you know force adept sisters would be, or whatever. It's it's weird. I, I sometimes I'm kind of like it, to me like I, I was reading stuff, and I don't know if it's just that the Wikipedia is regurgitating things that they read in expanded universe novels but like some stuff cracks me up where it's like everything has to have this clever clever spider-man john Byrne chapter one <laughs> in, where it's like tebow a force adept ewok and i'm like what like are you serious <laughs> like come on like you know, i was like, actually i was gonna bring that up i was like because in this in this comic like the writer i give the writer credit on this because i appreciate it i i, I like that he was just like fuck it it's magic you know it's just fucking magic you know there's magic and but in the back of my head, I was like, my God, there is somebody in the back of their head that's retconning that the fucking sunstone is like somewhat like a fucking Jedi's liver that's filled with midichlorians or something. Yeah, you know, like that. that's that's kind of what it feels like when you read some of the, the write ups and everything. I mean, I, I thought it was cool that they tried to tie Sheral into the the Night Sisters, you know, the, the Dathomir stuff, but. I, I don't know. It just sometimes it's kind of like, oh, everybody's a fucking force adept now. Like, it, you know, like <laughs> it's like I thought, you know, that they killed all the Jedi's, you know, like, you know, so it's like, I don't know. But um, it, it's did, interesting. Did, 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 you, did you like the fact that they, they like as far as Logre goes, because the Ewoks don't really fuck with the force as far as we knew that he's, he's just fucking magic. He uses magic. I, I thought that was yeah, kind of nice. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's, that, I mean, I, I, I would prefer it just be like that because I always thought of it as, you know, the Ewok stuff was was fantasy and, and it was in the Star Wars universe. But, I mean, if it, it, um, my thinking is if an Ewok could have been a Force Adept, then why didn't an Ewok fucking blow up the Death Star and <laughs> save the universe, you know? Like, why? then it shouldn't, you know, then then Luke Skywalker again. You know, th th that's the stuff that always bothers me in a lot of these expanded universe things, especially when they're set in the same time frame as Star Wars. It's like, well, you know, well, would, would, would the Emperor try to, like, corrupt one of the Force Adept Ewoks? <laughs> He's like, say my furry young friend. <laughs> wubba wubba. Chica chuka. <laughs> <laughs> you want this, don't you, Lerdo? Take your Jedi weapon. Yub nub me down. You know? <laughs> you don't know the power of the Ichawawa. Your journey towards the Dulak side will be complete. <laughs> Oh god! Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I yeah. just, you know, I, I do really like, like, the, I do not have a problem with Ewok stuff. Like, I really don't. I mean, I know I make fun of it sometimes, and you know, call certain things in certain shows, like Z Double Zeta Gundam, you know, Ewok shit and goofy stuff. But like, I mean, in terms of the context of like my childhood and growing up with a lot of those things, I mean, I, I I've got a lot of sort of childhood nostalgia regarding you know the characters and everything like i, I don't have any problems with wicked like i, I, I think my, my biggest thing is like 
I brought this up to somebody one time, and they're like, "Oh man, Ewoks are stupid. They're just little fucking teddy bears." And I'm like, "Okay, okay. First of all, calm down, cowboy. Let me explain something to you. Um, <laughs> the Ewoks are very cute. They were obviously supposed to be, you know, merchandise. They're you know teddy bears, and look how adorable they are. And oh my god, Ewoks are so cute. I understand that, and I totally agree with that. I know that they were there for merchandising." But then you take someone like Jar Jar, who is supposed to be cute and com- comedic relief, and he's supposed to be for merchandising. And it's like, well, how come Ewoks are better? And I'm like, because Ewoks were fucking useful. They could do shit. Jar Jar did nothing. He was never useful. He was actually detrimental. And I'm like, yeah, Ewoks are cute, but they fucking could take down a fucking ATST. So why do you hate on them, you know? Well, even just besides being useful, I mean, like you say, they were genuinely cute. You know, yeah. like, like, like Wicket may be a badass. He might be able to build a fucking MacGyver glider out of the bones and skin <laughs> of whatever the fuck is in a cave. Right. And you're like, dude, man, Wicket's fucking badass. I don't care what you tell me. Anybody who can like, you know, build the fucking glider out of a bunch of stupid bones and skin that's left behind in a cave or whatever, like is awesome in my book. But <laughs> Jar Jar can't hold a fucking wrench. <laughs> you, you know, there's that. Like you said, he's useful. But then at the same time, I mean... Like, legitimately, like, Wicket was cute. I mean, at the time Warwick Davis played him, I think he was, like, a little kid. Like, so there's this kind of aspect to it. I think he was, like, 13, yeah. You know, there's that aspect to it of of he is legitimately cute. Like, the the character's cute, his body language is cute, like, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, any of the interactions and stuff like that. And, And, I mean... For all intents and purposes, whether it's in the cartoon series, whether it's in this, you know, graphic novel one shot, like Wicket always has a lot to prove. You know, he is that young cub of the tribe that, you know, and and this is worth mentioning, too, because I think he falls into that that criteria of mine. I guess I need to get a Wicket figure and stick him with my my Rodimus Prime or whatever. But like, like there, there is that aspect to him where when, when I was reading, like, this is something that cracked me up that I didn't know about. But when I was looking at stuff on Wikipedia, you know, I don't mean this to be the bash Wikipedia episode or whatever. But anyway, I, that's where I read some of the, the stuff. And, and when I was looking at it, it basically says Wicket becomes the chief of the tribe because he marries Princess Nisa. And I was just yeah. like, oh, well, that makes perfect fucking sense. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but it, but yeah. it's one of those things where, like, it's that, that Naruto syndrome where it's like, one day I'm going to be Hokage. And then you're like, oh, cool. He he, he did, does become, you know, Hokage someday. You know, like, oh, that's cool. Wicket did. You know, like, Wicket's like, I'm going to be a great warrior someday. Like, I'm going to kick ass someday. And then, you know, I don't know why, but for me, it just does my heart good. Like, okay, good. Like, he... He was the fucking chief, and everybody was cool, and everything. He, he didn't get he didn't get hooked on drugs like Lieutenant Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what? what I'm just curious. You know what's, you like, what's really funny though is like the the, the funniest thing, Derek, is because me and you are like a year apart in our age. So when like Jedi came out, we were you know about the same age as far as you know being kids and stuff, and it's kind of like this reverse nostalgia. Where like nowadays, older people are like, "Oh, you walks are fucking dumb. They're like fucking teddy bears and stuff." Motherfucker, all you assholes who are like downing on Ewoks in 1983 when Jedi came out, the whole fucking country was like, Ewoks are great, they're adorable. Everybody loved fucking Ewoks. They like they were like like the new cute candy. They like they made all these toys for them and stuff. 
And I ain't gonna lie, I like the Ewoks. I was like, even back then, I was like, they're cute, but they're you know kind of badass. And I'm like, I, I think it's this weird, like you know, hipster. Oh, I'm too cool for Ewoks, man. They they, they were the dumb part. They're the Jar Jar of the Jedi. Uh, Return of the Jedi. And I'm like, man, you fucking like Ewoks. If you're like me and Derek's age and you say you didn't like Ewoks when you were a kid, you're fucking lying. <laughs> Wait, well, since since we do have someone on the show who is not our age and so he could potentially not be lying, I, I just wanted to ask Mike, like, what, what did you think of this this one shot? And what, do you have any thoughts on, you know, kind of what me and Tony have been going back and forth with our, you know, old geezer, old man nostalgia about this kind of stuff? Man, you old people can't shut up about this Ewok shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but like, I, I guess I tend to avoid anything associated with the Ewoks. Like, uh, like I'm probably, you know, I'm like, I, I don't actively seek it out or anything, and I'm kind of like, ah, I probably won't enjoy that. But I, I thought this was a good one shot, and. I don't know, like, the cartoon was probably one of those things like Scooby-Doo where I was like, oh, this is on? Oh, man, like, forget it. Like, I'm changing the channel <laughs> or something. And I mean, well, well, like... Well, to be fair, Mike, the, the, the cartoon was definitely hit or miss. It was definitely cutesy. So if you didn't like it, I, I could understand why. It was definitely more... The Ewoks were definitely cuter than the movie. So I, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd watch droids because I'd, like, rationalize, oh, well, they're robots, so they're that's cool. But, like, this, <laughs> like, Ewoks, I'd be like, eh, I could watch something else probably. I mean, even though it's got Star Wars, the name of Star Wars, but I don't know. Like, I, I like this one shot, though. I thought it had really nice art, and it, like, yeah, it told a, it was a good, like, you know, self-contained story. And I, I got pretty much all the references. Like I, I had seen some of the episodes of Clone Wars with the Night Sisters and all that. So like I got that. So yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed reading this. Cool. That's cool. Um, uh, Derek, I was going to ask you about this since we haven't brought up yet because we were we kind of got off on the Night Sisters of Dathomir thing. You're going to have to say the name because I, I, I forgot it. One thing about this that really definitely went darker than the, uh, the cartoon as far as design aspects was the fucking giant maggot slug monster thing. That was kind of like, it, it didn't, you know, shock me, but I was like, that's a pretty, you know, Lovecraftian monster for fucking Ewoks. <laughs> well, it's 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 interesting, though, because the 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 monsters, like, because they're, they're, I mean, they obviously had a lot of kind of Ray Harryhausen stop-motion beasts and monsters and things that that happened in those live action specials yeah like the gornique or whatever yeah yeah so i mean i i I guess i think of it like that i mean there is that aspect of it is a comic book made in 2013 so there there is that aspect of check out tebow he's all badass and he's he's chopping up the slug monster and blood's flying everywhere you know and it's like oh (laughs) look at wicked impale that fucking slug monster like look at how badass wicked is like there is that aspect to it but i mean i don't i don't think it's like super gory or anything like oh no no no, but 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 I see what you're saying. Like it, it is it is quite a frightening, imposing figure. You know that that yeah. That, you know, it's it's not quite Lion-O snapping Beast Man's neck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I will definitely say like one thing that was kind of nice. I this is probably like my favorite panel of the the comic, and it's probably the stupidest panel. 
uh, I was talking about the uh, biker scouts earlier, and it's just this one panel before they they get illusioned and they're like, oh, let's get the fuck out of here. One of the biker scouts says, like, you gotta admit, it's kind of a nice planet. It's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a funny bit where they're just like, yeah, we're no, yeah. no. There was an aspect. What aspect I thought was like that stood out to me was like they they write all the word bubbles for the Ewoks are just written normally, but all the stormtroopers have like you know the sort of like the like, translation, like, yeah, the translation like binders around yeah, them, kind of. Yeah. Like I <laughs> yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting. But but see again, like that sort of ties back into my train of thought on things is, you know, Ewoks did not understand basic in this. They did not understand basic in the cartoon. They did not understand basic in Return of the Jedi. But by the time Sindel rolls around and starts teaching them space cruiser crash crash, then Wicket's like an expert in basic. You know, so it's yeah. like to me that's why I'm like, oh, those fucking movies have to take place after this shit. But you know, that's that's my only takeaway from that. I mean, that's the only point where I, in my own headcanon, that totally makes it divergent from what I guess the majority of people subscribe to, I suppose, since it's it's written yeah. on, a, on a, you know, widely frequented Star Wars site and is probably based on, you know, some kind of Steve Sansweet, you know, written material or something that they have determined is, you know, yeah. What was was super canon until Disney? Like, it's interesting. Like I guess this technically qualifies as you know. I, I know you know when Justin was upset about all the expanded universe stuff that doesn't count anymore. Basically, you know, because yeah. just said it's just you know it's it's Rebels, it's Clone Wars, and it's the six movies, and that's it. You know, and and yeah. like this is clearly none none of the Ewok stuff is clearly counted, and it's like it, you kind of wonder. It's like well it. Does it ruin anything? Like, are they going to have a big subplot? Like, where J.J. Abrams blew up the planet Vulcan? It's like, are they going to blow up Endor or something? Yeah, uh, and, and of course, you can always, like, really just really rack your brain. Because, according to Lucasfilm, because of Rebels, you know, Clone Wars is in canon. So, since that's in canon, and the Night Sisters of Dathomir in canon, so does that mean that this is a canon now? <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you probably the answer is no, but but yeah, yeah. but at least it's got elements of stuff that are still regarded as canon. I, I guess that's the best it can get at this point. But I, yeah. I do find that kind of interesting. I mean, especially speaking of, I, I think the reason why I was so attracted to it is that it is a, a piece that y you can tell there was a lot of love and care put into the construction of this story that it, it drew from all those various sources like I just totally dug that you know it's like you could have Dulocs in the same story with references to you know Sheral from the Battle of Endor yeah. with references to the you know Knights of Dothamir and all this other stuff so it's like oh that's that's really cool that you you know you sort of pulled from all these different you know media and stuff whether it's the novels or the cartoons or the television specials and the movies and you know and and you kind of made this cohesive story but it doesn't it doesn't really rock the apple cart too much you know what i mean i mean it, it tells a fun story it's it's a bridging the gap story and like you guys said, I you know the art's really good, and and I I thought it was cool. Like I mean I I I don't know I I know you were saying like the slug monster's kind of scary, like you know, and I know we said it's a little violent, but I mean I I think this would I don't know maybe I'm a bad judge of it, but I mean I think this would be okay for kids too, right? I mean, did, uh, well, well, is there anything I, like super objectionable? Well, well you gotta understand, I, I would, 
considering that I grew up in the 80s, I think kids should be scared a little bit. But considering that, like you said, the, the, the actual monster doesn't eat people that we see on, like, panel. And, like, yeah, there's a little bit of blood, but it, it's not, like, yeah, like, intensely gory or disturbing. It's, like, it's okay for kids to be a little scared because the good guys still win. You know, yeah. the good guys still win in the end. And uh, and we even get, a, like, you know, a nice little, like, you know, hero moment with the little pixie, uh, the wispy. Yeah. Who flies yeah. in and stays today. So it's, like, you know, like, oh, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's... So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Yeah, and that again is another tie into the the caravan of courage, you know. So it's like, you know, that's that's cool as well. So, I mean, it, it used all those aspects of of Ewok lore. To to me, it's like that fun thing of seeing everything in the same place at the same time. You know, it's the same giddy feeling you get when when you see somebody draw a picture of like all, you know, I don't know, whatever it is now, fifteen versions of Doctor Who, like just chilling with one another, you know, even if it's the ones <laughs> yeah. from, like, the, you know, the the radio plays or the, the ones who I don't know who they are, where I'm like, Justin, who the hell is that? You know, and he has to, like, explain it to me that it was some guy from the comics or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that that's the kind of thing where you're just like, oh, this is sweet, man. Like, look, it's, it's, it's all these aspects of Ewok lore, but they're all in the same story, and they're all sort of on panel together you know and i was like oh this is really sweet like i dig this this is fun so i mean there's there's not much more to it that you know i I would say that like as far as a comic book you know if you've been reading comic books for a long time this is not gonna like light your world on fire you're not gonna be like best ewok story ever but at the same time when i walked into this I'm not gonna lie I, i i like ewoks i think they're fine but i wasn't like you know ooh, i'm gonna read an ewok story but then when I was done reading it, I was like, "That was that was perfectly enjoyable. I, I liked it. It was it was it was a solid story, like you and Mike said. The art was really good. It like had a good pace to it. I didn't get bored when I was reading it. Uh, I yeah, I would totally recommend like and like you said, you know, even kids could read this. If you're like eight years old, you could read this and be like, you know, what's going on? It's a fun story. Yeah, yeah, I totally would recommend this to anybody." Yeah, I, I mean, even though it's a it's a comic book, technically, you know, a graphic novel or a one-shot, I mean, I, I do get the vibe of, like, those old storybooks you used to read, you know, whether they were, like, pop-up storybooks or just, you know, illustrated storybooks with text or, or, or like, we're about to cover here in a little bit, you know, a, a read-along type thing. I mean, it did, it did kind of give me that vibe as well, like, that that was somehow sort of incorporated into the structure of, of how this this was crafted so i you know, i think all around it was it was a good good thing to uh i i don't know i just i just wanted to let people know like i i kind of feel like no like i i don't know if i'm just being uh, naive about it maybe like tons of star wars fans already know about this but i just feel like it was one of those things where i i sort of stumbled into it by accident and then when i read it i was really happy that i did and i just kind of want to pass that information on like if you've never heard of shadows of endor like and you like star wars and you enjoy any or all of the ewok media that we've mentioned like you should totally check this out yeah i i I will give you this derek as far as supernaturals goes you've redeemed yourself (laughs) Ichawawa. No longer a Lurdo. Alright. Alright, so I, I think that kind of wraps up this first half that we're going to be discussing on Shadows of Endor. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, we're going to play a cool Star Wars promo, and then when we come back, we will be talking about the read-along book Droid World. So, stay tuned, guys. 
I got a bad feeling about this. You'd be feeling a lot better, Han, if you were listening to Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast hosted by me, Ryan Daly. That doesn't sound too hard. It's not hard. You just check out Dead Boffin Spies on iTunes, Facebook, or the blog page, deadboffinspies.blogspot.com. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Well, I, I don't know if terror is an appropriate description. It's a podcast that combines everything you love about me talking and some of what you love about Star Wars. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. Fine, whatever. Do that after you listen to Dead Boffin Spies. Yoda. You seek Yoda. No, you seek Dead Boffin Spies, a Star Wars podcast. Check it out. It beats kissing a Wookiee, I would think. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that bit of yub-nub in the first half, and now we are back. We're back to discuss something that is probably near and dear to my nostalgia heart, as it may be to Tony's as well. And we're going to be discussing the read-along Star Wars book titled Droid World. I guess it also goes under like the title like The Further Adventures of Star Wars and stuff like that. I think when I had this, I'm pretty positive I had the book and tape. But I know it also came out as a, a book and record as well. I actually had the book and record. I actually um, had one of those old-school like suitcase record-like 45 players. Oh, yeah, 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 but where it was like, it was kind of like, what, brown and beige, and it had the little handle and stuff? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could you could carry it around? Yeah, I there, remember There are those. people listening to this right now who are like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, you guys are old. <laughs> Record? <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So, so just just to uh, to date ourselves even further, according to sources, this did get released in 1983. The artist of the piece is a gentleman named Dick Foes. I don't know. If... I don't know him from Adam, but I will say, yeah. motherfucker can paint. This is some really gorgeous artwork in this book yeah it's cool it's cool i mean it is worth mentioning like we did briefly in the opening this is adapted from a 1981 issue of marvel star wars specifically it's issue number 47 as far as my personal experience with it i don't think i had read star wars number 47 until after i first got the read-along the the book and tape i actually had the comic and this book and i was like when this this read-along book came out it really did kind of blow my mind because I had the comic. And the comic has really nice artwork, too. But it's very 80s artwork. It's very Star Wars. Star Wars gets a little bit of shit, yeah, because of the Marvel run. They're like, the art is inconsistent. But the art for 47 was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the, the, the writer on Star Wars 47 was Archie Goodwin, and then the penciler was Carmine Infantino. So, I mean, go. he, he oh, did yeah. do the Star Wars book for a long time. I mean, I, 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 I tend to agree that, that I do really... I mean, maybe it's just because it's the first version of some of the characters I'd seen, but, I mean, I do have fond memories of all this painted artwork that is in the read-along book. But, I mean... He, Given credit where credit's due, I mean, they did really stick to Carmine Infantino's design for some of the, like, basically the, the war bot and the, the, especially, you know, ZX3, who is the, one of the main 
characters that I'm sure we're going to be discussing. And, and, and even Clickson, you know, they, they changed it a little bit, but yeah, I mean, yeah, everything looks pretty much like the comic. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just painted prettier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Young Commander Luke Skywalker stood in the Rebel ship's loading dock. The wreckage of a menacing war machine towered above him. An Imperial war bot. So, Major, this is what you had to face in your last battle with the Empire. The Major pointed to the giant mechanical claws and powerful laser guns. Believe me, it was no picnic. A full readout of this damaged warbot would really give us an edge in future combat. You know, the, the, the long and short of, of Droid World is that there is this newfangled Imperial warbot that has been attacking the Rebels. The Rebels have captured one of them, and they want to study the schematics, and then 3PO and R2... I don't know, it's weird. In in the comic, it's a little more like they sort of fuck up and melt down the, the, the warbot, and then they need to like help fix it. And I don't know, to me in the read-along, it just seemed like it was through like no fault of anybody's, but the warbot yeah. sort of malfunctioned and, and, and got deteriorated or whatever. And so basically they're in the same spot. They need to basically fix this and they kind of think well who can possibly fix this and then one of the rebel commanders tells luke skywalker hey we've heard of this guy it might be tough to contact him but he's on this floating fortress full of droids and if anybody can repair you know this warbot and get us the schematics so that we can have an advantage over the empire it's going to be this guy clickson so they end up going out to clickson space station which is also known around the universe as droid world as r2d2 plugged in the warbot began shaking violently sparks flew everywhere and r2 was knocked over backwards luke gazed at the smoldering warbot oh no its insides are all melted down. We'll never get a readout from that mess. The Major shook his head. No, we have one alternative, but it might be risky. There's an electronics genius named Clickson who could help us. It, it, is, it is very interesting that when this comic came out, people have to understand, like I said, you know, we have to do our time frame. You know, it's like, before this, there were no, like, battle droids. There was no, like fighting yeah. droids. We just knew, yeah. like, C-3PO and R2-D2, so, like, an Imperial Warbot, that was kind of cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's weird, like, I, I have a lot of, like, I, I said this is, like, nostalgic for me, like, I've got a lot of weird, like, sense memory for these read-along books. It's like, I remember being, it's kind of funny, like, I, I mean, the room next door to the room I'm in now is totally remodeled and different, but I remember being in that room and, like, lying on the carpet, like, and eating, like, yogurt, <laughs> vanilla, raisinets, or so. I don't know what the hell they were. Like, now, now I think about it and go, what did, what was I into that for? But, like, why was I eating that? <laughs> why was I eating that shit? But at the time, it was just, like, I was, like, a little happy kid in my happy kid shorts, and I was listening to, like, you know, Star Wars records and shit, and listening to R2-D2 beep like this, you know, you know, and I was like, just <laughs> loving every minute of it. So it's like, I, I don't know, it's weird. Like, I've got all these kind of like, like, warm, fuzzy feelings for, for no reason. It is a sensory thing, because like, I, I remember that too, when I was a kid, it was like, I had this book, and I had comic books, and I had books, you know, you can look at the pictures, and it's like, oh, you could read the story. And it's all cool. But it was kind of like, okay, hold on, kids, I know this is going to blow your mind. But interactivity was kind of rare back then. I know you have the internet now, and we, we all enjoy the internet. We all love our YouTube. We all love 
all the wonderful things that Electronic Age has brought us. But to have someone read a story along with you and like see, like hear their words while you're reading the words, it really was kind of like it kind of pulled you into the story more. And it was like, this guy's reading me a story, you know? And it, there's like voice acting. It's like this is before audiobooks, for Christ's sakes. This was like a guy reading a story, doing voices. He had sound effects and all this stuff. And it was like, it was it was like you're a part of the story. I know that sounds really cheesy and cliche, but it really did suck you in. Like when you're reading this little book on your bed as a kid. This may only make sense to to you know actor type people, but I, I do feel like there was some kind of SAG rules thing going on here because it you, you can you can tell that like. Like there's two or three people working on this, and it's like okay, so that it's like well, well, but I mean, it's like it's a full cast, but you can tell, like, kind of like you know the the Super Friends or any animated thing, you know, eventually they had that rule, like oh, well, you you know to get your credit and and be official, it's like you got to do the three different voices per episode or whatever. So you can tell that like a lot of the different characters are are voiced probably by the same person, you know, and and so there is that. Aspect Aspect to it that I, I found kind of fascinating. A voice boomed over the radio. Turn back, intruder, or I'll blast you out of space. This is Clickson, and I don't want any dealings with you human life forms. I'm a cyborg, half machine, half man. I surround myself with nothing but robots. But Captain Clickson, it's your sympathy to droids that brought us here. The, the time frame that you mentioned, Tony, like, I, I think it's interesting to note, like, this is something that always tripped me out, because I think as a kid, my impression when I looked at the opening sequence and everything, the, the Rebel Commander kind of had the same Commander outfits that m most of the guys from Star Wars had, whether it was the scene where Darth Vader busts into the Rebel blockade or at the ceremony. Yeah. Star Wars like I was kind of thinking along those time frames just because of the way the guy was dressed you know Luke has his like Wonder Man safari jacket or whatever but it's <laughs> it's, it's kind of beige like I was kind of thinking along the lines of the outfit he was wearing when he got the medallion at the end of A New Hope and yeah. so that, that's kind of what I was thinking I mean even his his voice and, and speech patterns, you know, it's like when he finds out the war bot is blown up, it's like, Oh no, what are we going to do now? You know, yeah, and it's, it's like, like kind of like empire. Luke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and, and what's funny is if you look at the context of the, the actual issues in the year, I mean, this star Wars comic is issue 47. It came out in 1981. That's like three issues after they finished adapting empire strikes back. Yeah, like, yeah. this does not seem like the same Luke who just, like, lost his hand and, like, found out that Darth Vader was his father. You know what I mean? Like, this sort of feels yeah. like it was some kind of, like, Marvel, you know, fill-in story when somebody missed a deadline or something like that. You know, Walt Simonson it, it, didn't... It definitely has that, like, 70s vibe there. to it, yeah. Yeah, and, and so so there is that aspect to it, for me, at least, you know? And, and, and that doesn't take away from the coolness of it, but I just oh, no. I just think it's interesting, like, that was my perspective, uh, my perception as a kid, you know, like, that, oh, this must be, like, a little bit after the Battle of Yavin, you know? Like, like and they're just, yeah. you know, they're, they ran into some trouble with some of these war droids, and they're they're trying to hit up this guy, Clickson, and, and then, you know, I guess we should talk about this, but Clickson has his... His essentially his his second in command, who I imagine must have been influenced by Maximilian from the Black Hole. 
I mean, I, I don't know. There, there, there's like, definitely like some nods there, yeah. I mean, they're both gigantic, like red robots. I mean, obviously, ZX3 looks like a, a giant stormtrooper, so there's that, you know. Like, and he is, you know, he he basically exposits to you, you know, that he is a imperial droid. You know, and, and I guess his cover story is that, you know... Oh, yeah, early on, yeah, he was like, yeah, he said, like, you know, I was deemed, you know, like, you know, trying to think of the exact word is, like, you know, insufficient or, like, not up to code, you know, so they, they abandoned me. <laughs> yeah. That's basically how he, he, you know, ended up on, on Clixon's ship and everything like that. And and Clixon is an interesting character, too. I mean, in the context of the audio, you know, read-along book, he kind of looks a little like... There's a character in like Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends that kind of looks like Tharok from the Legion of Superheroes, who was like half man, half machine type thing. And like, that, I guess that always kind of weirded me out. Like, I mean, he definitely seems like one of those characters. You know, he, he I guess for Transformers fans, I mean, he's kind of like Doctor Archiville without the really weird haircut. Like once. Once he really gets stripped down to a full-on cyborg, you know, like, how do you suggest I get there, roller skates? You know, like that. <laughs> and hey, no wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, that, that version of, of Dr. Archiville. Oh, look, R2. Isn't this delightful? We're with our own kind now. But, but Clixon yeah. basically seems to have abandoned his fellow man. I mean, he, he doesn't trust them, and, and, and he just wants to, I guess, you know, his, his goal is he wants to live in peace with all these discarded droids and, and robots who he considers his, his friends and his true family and all this kind of stuff. And what's interesting is, to me, like, you're talking about this is before we had battle droids and before we had the prequels and all that kind of stuff. And and in the original comic, I mean, there he does have these lines of dialogue that are, you know, these sort of hollow promises that we never got delivered with the Star Wars prequels. And, you know, it's it's through, I guess, nobody's fault, you know, or whatever. But, but you know, yeah. Clixon does have these lines that say, you know, he says in the, in the original comic, this isn't in the audiobook, but in the original comic, he does say, I left because of what other organics did to me in the Clone War. You know, and yeah, you're just yeah. like, oh, well, obviously, like, he there, he was involved in some kind of skirmish or some kind of battle or whatever it was. And, you know, yeah. and, and some people messed him up and he became the cyborg that he is today and he blamed humanity and then he became this kind of hermit and went off and said, oh, the only people I trust are droids. Now, what's interesting about that is given the context of what we actually know about the prequels, it's like you'd think if, if anybody was going to be harmed it'd be like roger roger doing some stupid shit to clickson but in in this case it's like obviously he sides with the droids so that's kind of like uh you know basically hindsight is is uh maybe, you know, not 2020 maybe, you know? maybe he was a separatist and he got beaten up by a jedi i mean it's possible yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean yeah you could try to you know rationalize it in your headcanon all day long it it obviously doesn't fit but you know you you could you could try to Imagine how. Yeah, because the way he comes off, he seems like he was fighting on the good guy side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he doesn't seem like a nasty guy. You know, he just seems like somebody who was who was burnt and and sort of you know went off to <laughs> to live live his own life after that or whatever. I was, I was going to ask you, Mike, um, like just from our, our rambling about the uh, the audio recording and stuff, like how was it for you to? I, I know, like we we've 
talk about the Hoojibs read-along book too at one point. How is it to like do the whole like you know audio and text experience? I mean, I've been I'm familiar with these kinds of books. I mean, I, I had a few of the Transformers ones when I was a okay, kid. Cool. So yeah, you know, it's always a nice like trip down. Like I I may not have read this specific one or owned it as a kid, but like Derek said, it's kind of nostalgic anyway. Like it makes me think of like the Transformers ones I had and stuff like that. I hope you're recording this. Just look at that cheap imperial workmanship. C-3PO spun around to find Kligson on a video screen pointing at the warbot. This piece of trash isn't even worth repairing. Send in ZX-3. One thing that I did notice that I thought was kind of interesting was I, I felt like the the art from Dick Foes, like, I, I felt like he added a lot more star warsy things to it if that makes it sense. really does it looks very, like i mean because well, i don't i don't i don't want to show this guy's dick because i don't know him <laughs> dick pose not in a digital pose uh, pun. <laughs> um i don't want to stroke dick's dick you know there, there was definitely some panels where i was like this guy is almost as good as fucking macquarie as far as his design work and stuff well, what's weird is, like, I don't want to take away from Carmine Infantino, because, I mean, he, he obviously designed, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. ZX-3, he designed the Warbot and stuff, but what Design I noticed... And, yeah, everything in this, yeah. What, what I noticed about Carmine Infantino stuff, though, is besides those characters and R2 and 3PO, it's like, everything else is just kind of your... I, I don't want to... I mean, they were designed, but I, I kind of feel like they were generic background droids. You know, like, they didn't look yeah, yeah. recognizable as anything from the Star Wars universe. But when they did this piece, you know, it, it was like there's the shot of the 2-1-B medic droid in one scene with ZX-3. So you're like, oh, yeah. I have that toy. You know, that's a droid I, I recognize and is familiar. And then, you know, whereas the Carmen Infantino shot where basically, you know, I, I mean, getting into the plot of it all... You know, ZX-3 is basically an Imperial mole. He's been plotting against Kligson this whole time, and he's going to start a revolt with like-minded droids who basically think, you know, Kligson doesn't need to be in charge. They want to take over droid world, so the Empire has a big cache of droids at their disposal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and they don't want these these you know, rebel droids getting in the way, you know, obviously. So that's why they're they're out to get R2 and 3PO and everything. But in that scene where where ZX3 basically takes this whole squad of droids to attack, like in the painted art, it's cool because you can see an IG88 model yeah, in the yeah. back there and everything. And I'm all oh, that's really cool. And and like I said, nothing to take away from Carmine Infantino. He does a similar shot where, you know, ZX3 is leading this army of droids and everything, but it, it's just it's just missing that slight tweak of Star Warsy to me because there were no familiar droids. You know, there there was no you know the, there was no probe droid, there was no IG88 droid, there was no yeah. you know anything that that could help it look you know kind of anchor it into you know the the world building that was done in the films just wasn't there other than r2 and 3po get to work repairing this warlock krigson was a fool to think i would melt it down he won't stand a chance against me when i have this war machine working again i, I I'm, I'm gonna give away I, a spoiler for a 30 year old book but since we're talking about it, it doesn't really matter and also in the comic, I, 
this is this is so nitpicky and pet peevey. I don't even really. I don't feel good about bringing it up. But in the comic, when ZX three takes out Clixen, he, he blasts Clixen to pieces. Yeah, yeah, he has like this big chest mounted cannon on his torso, and. Honestly, I love you, Carmen Infantino. You're a great, I mean, Flash, come on, you know, like, you're a great artist. But it seemed kind of doofy looking, and in the painted book, he just has a blaster, and he just shoots him. Yeah. And I don't I don't know why, it just looks better. I don't know if that's just me, or... I, I, I you know, the only thing I can tell listeners is, I, I'm, I'm probably biased because this read-along was the first book I saw. So I, I have a predilection for the art in the read-along book more than, than Star Wars number 47. You know, that's not yeah. taking away from any of the design work that, that Carmine Infantino did or anything, but that's just, that's kind of, you know, I guess that's just how I was built and hardwired. You know, the, the you know, this Dick Foe's art, it's in my DNA. Like, that was the first read-along, you know, besides Planet of the Hoojibs, you know, I had, I basically had, like, all of the Star Wars ones, you know, like, the, it's funny, because when, yeah. when you get to the back of the book, it shows you, like, oh, you can read the Star Wars book, and the Empire book, and the Return of the Jedi book. <laughs> and you're like, I have all of those. <laughs> and you're like, Planet of the Hoojibs, and, and, of course, Droid World, and I was like, oh, yeah, I have all those, and then even, like, you know, it was like, Lucasfilm must have had some deal with the Buna Vista Records, or whatever, because that's who released all of these, and you can see, like, oh, there's a Raiders of the Lost Ark one, and then et one and you're like oh well that, you know you're like oh well totally that makes perfect sense you know like they're all yeah, it, it may surprise our listeners but read-along books with like audio tapes or records it was really a thing it was actually a thing people like bought a lot of these yeah they were i mean usually they, for me they were always at like the supermarket and stuff and then yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. rolling around you know and and your mom would be getting food or whatever it was and it'd be like can i get one of these and it'd be like okay you know well i mean probably yeah, they, all the time yeah, they were but, like, like maybe like two dollars three dollars yeah, yeah it wasn't like they were like super expensive or whatever and it was something that always i, I always thought was fun and and you know we we've we've of course laughed about the you know r2d2 beeps you know turn the page type thing on the show before but that's i mean that's something that's hardwired into me as well you know you know it is time to turn the page when r2d2 beeps like this you know and so like yeah. going somewhere Clipson? how about a trip to another galaxy cx3's mighty laser gun fired clinkson was blasted to pieces You know, like, I, I know you get into it and, and where ZX3, like, blows away Clixen and everything. And then there's this, like, kind of interesting scene. Like, in the context of the original comic, the this scene that we're about to talk about, basically, it's like the droids are on the run and there's a tank following them. And they're headed for this smelting pit. And then Which, they get... The, uh, the tank droid is also a really cool design. I like that tank yeah, droid. Yeah, and, and, and they get... They get they're just about to fall off and fall into the smelting pit. And then these giant like circular magnets like grab onto them and they're like, what's going on? And it turns out, you know, da, 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 it's Clixen and Clixen has totally like, you know, saved them. But they're like, but wait, like we saw ZX3 like blow you away a few minutes ago. And it's like, what? 
that wasn't me. It was actually a robot decoy, you know, and you're just like, oh, okay, cool. He's, he's okay. You know, it's like Duke is going to be a okay, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and like C3PO is like, why the fuck you lying? Why are you always <laughs> lying? lying? Oh my God. Stop fucking lying. Shall I have the warbot dumped into the melting pit, sir? Yes, ZX-3. And remove the restraining bolts from these rebel droids. They will be free of their master to join us here in Droid World. C-3PO was stunned. But, sir, we love Master Luke. How can we ever think of abandoning him? I, I, I was going to bring this I'm going to bring it up uh, later on, because I have a couple of choice lines I would like to uh, do a, a dramatic actor studio on. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But I love Master Luke. We love Master Luke. Yeah, when the tank droid's about to, uh, you know, take C-3PO and uh, R2-D2 out, I will try to channel my inner thespian. It is like, yeah, the, 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 it's basically a narrator who reads this to you. There is voices, and they do voices, and there's sound effects. But it is, it is a storybook, so there's a narrator. And the narrator's like, as the tank droid grew, uh, grew closer, C-3PO and R2-D2 stumbled over the cliff. But they didn't fall! <laughs> you know, you know, th this is worth bringing up too because we were talking about it before, and and you may recognize some of the voice acting in here. Unfortunately, like I, I don't think there is a really great and dedicated or even accurate resource as to what actors did 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 what work on any of these read along books, no matter if they're Buena Vista or they're from Power Records or whatever. Like there there's just not a lot of good resource on that. You know, I know we speculated when we did the Transformers read along, we were thinking, is that the same guy who did Mumra's voice? You know, like <laughs> yeah. it sounds like him, you know? And and my speculation for this is that, you know, in the accordance with SAG rules, you know, I'm I'm sure uh, you know, Arthur Burghardt probably at least did the voice of Clixon and ZX three because he sounds just like Destro. I mean yes. and 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 Arthur Burghardt was an actor who did I, I'm pretty sure he did I wanna say I don't know. I, I'd have to look it up, but I, I'm pretty sure he did Destro. He may have done other characters like Doc or something like yeah. that. But he did do a yeah, Devastator. Like... Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because like, and he did like Turbo on GoBots. Right, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So see, I, I I knew I knew there were lots of like you know familiar characters that he had voiced in my childhood. So it's like I, his voice seems really, really familiar and everything. So Yeah, and, and Mike said that he, he, he feels like he Mike said we'd have no way to verify this. So if if we're wrong, we're wrong. Arthur Burkhart is actually correct, probably. More than likely, that's like ninety nine percent. Mike was positing that he thinks it, it might be Corey Burton who's doing Luke Skywalker. Luke smiled proudly. You both did a fine job. R2, the readout you recorded will really help in future battles with those Imperial Warbots. And I can't help but feel sorry for Clixon. He loved his droids, yet he was forced to destroy so many of them. Yeah, he sounds just like Spike. So, like, I was like, oh man, is that Corey Burton? It does It does sound like him. And, and then, of course, even the performance, though, too, like, kind of like what I was saying with the my... I guess, interpretation of Luke Skywalker, like that it doesn't seem like a Luke that comes out of a post-Empire setting. You know, it definitely is like 
when 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 the war bot is is blown up you know it's like oh no you know you're like you know i gotta go to tashi station to get some war bot converters you know like where could he be yeah yeah it, it's it's that that version of luke you know like that's that's yeah. the kind of vibe I got from from some of the line delivery and everything. Yeah, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, Clixon does does save the day because you know he, he he's a rough, tough robot and he's here to save GI Joe. <laughs> yeah. I am Clixon. I love the Baroness. You know, it's like okay, great, <laughs> way way to go, Clixon. You know, but no, no, I mean it it it, it actually they they are very good performances i mean for for oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the read-along book and everything i mean i'm not i'm not you know completely mocking it you know in totality but there are those funny things where it's like you know basically like there's that scene you know it's like i'm, I'm staring it in the face now you know because tony's got another avatar where basically they they've got r2 and 3po captured and it's like you are free of you know your oppressor you can now stay here on droid world and it's like but we don't want to be free we love master luke you know and like you, you know what cracks me up is like all i can think of is like the 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 socio-political context of that scene <laughs> it's just like it's just like i'm sure like people must be pulling out their hair that like two droids are like but we like being in servitude it's awesome we love our master you know so it's like people must be like going ape shit now but at the time like that wasn't such a big deal you know to have a scene like that you you knew obviously that luke you know, treated them well, you know, so it was like, oh, they're the good guys. Like, there's nothing, you know, wrong there or whatever, but... I, I do have to give credit to Mike, though, because me and him both picked pretty much the same, like, avatar. We both were, were all about some crimson stormtrooper robots. Mike, I, I do have to, like, call you out in a good way because I did appreciate it. The the panel that me and him both picked, it really does look like Z, uh, ZX3 uh, is going to have some prison sex with C-3PO. <laughs> But I love Master Lou. <laughs> he is like, oh my. <laughs> Look at the size of that wrench. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I was deemed unfit. I kept humping everything. <laughs> they, they painted me red for a reason. <laughs> it's my scarlet letter. Uh... He oh, he man. does he does look cool. I mean, he does have that cool Maximilian like stormtrooper looking. I'm I'm kind of surprised. Like I don't know, maybe I didn't keep up with the Kenner Hasbro toys enough. Can you fill me in, Tony? Did they ever make a toy of of ZX3? I, I think in later years they did. I think with like oh, the newer okay. line, they, they they had to build a figure of ZX3. They had, they had build a figures really? Yeah, they're the same size as like regular figures, but they had like this subline called Droid Factory. Oh, okay. And, and and get ready for this, kids. You buy a droid, and then you get like a leg or an arm to build another figure. So you're gonna spend like about ten, like sixty dollars to make a three and three quarters inch figure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, but on, uh, just just for uh, our listeners, just to let you know how interesting the line was. They actually did the uh, bad C3PO. You remember him? Three three PXO or whatever. The one with the band-aid on his head and the red optics. You remember that, Derek? What was that from? That was from uh, Star Wars Droids from Dark Horse. The the, the droid comics. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and they also did the uh, Dark Trooper from, uh, gosh, what was that called? The game. The Dark Forces? I think, yeah, yeah, Dark Forces. Yeah, uh, video game. Yeah, they did the Dark Trooper. So, yeah, yeah, they did oh, a lot you of mean, cool you mean from dark? You mean from Dark Empire? Dark, no, no, like the video games. The one with... Uh, 
Kyle, Kyle Katarn, Kyle right? Katarn, it's, yeah. It's oh, okay, dark, yeah. It's Dark Forces. Yeah. Dark Forces? Okay, yeah, yeah. They, they did the Dark Trooper from that. They did the uh, final Dark Trooper, not the uh, prototype ones. But yeah, ZX3 actually did get some plastic love. He, he, was, he was pretty cool. I mean, he looked pretty normal. I think he came with a blaster. I don't think he came with the uh, chest-mounted thing, so... He he didn't come with the the wrench of love. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you something. <laughs> going to be thinking about the Baroness the whole time. <laughs> Droids were hacked to pieces. Klingson stumbled through the wreckage. I have won, but at what price? My world is in ruins. Look at this terrible waste. Half the population is destroyed. My friends have slaughtered one another. R2 and 3PO, you are free to go. You are fortunate you have a home to return to. You know, I, I, I think this is worth mentioning, too. Like, I mean, they, they play it a little more subtly in the, the read-along. But, I mean, you can tell once the all-out battle happens... I guess, you know, Clixon had an ace up his sleeve. He had his own warbot he was working on. So I guess, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, two superpowers with their, their nuclear arsenals or whatever. You know, Clixon had his warbot. You know, ZX-3 had his warbot. And then they had their, you know, robot armies that fought against one another. And, you know, when they finally come out, it's like, you know, obviously Clixon you know, in some sense, is the victor. But, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, that it's like playing a game of Mortal Kombat after, like, you've had, like, all your bones broken and your eyeball is, like, hanging out of your socket. You're, like, sitting there going, did you... It's, like, victory. And you're, like, did you really win? Like, if you're that fucked <laughs> up, are you really the winner? You know, and, and, and that's basically what's what's going on in this case, too. You know, Clixin's kind of coming out going... You know, all my friends, you know, you know, they've been destroyed. Like, all I wanted was happiness and, and that kind of thing. It's like, all I wanted was to bring all these war droids together for peace. Like, how did it go so wrong? You know, like... I like how, kinda... like, I like how, like, uh, C-3PO and R2 return to Luke and they're like, Well, Master Luke, we've destroyed this man's life. And Luke's like, <laughs> good, good job, guys. <laughs> Way to go, guys. You got that schematic, right? Good job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is all for a schematic. <laughs> like, We've ruined someone's life. How do you feel? We love Master Luke. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be really helpful because the the Imperial Warbot will never be seen ever again. <laughs> yeah, freaking never. It never gets mentioned ever. I, I also like that, like they're like you know like well you know the Empire will come looking for Mister Clixon. He might be destroyed. And then, like, the you know, the mighty engines of the droid world fire up, and he shoots off into space. And it's like, oh, he's going to go be a hermit, be alone for the rest of his life, totally alone without any droids. He'll find peace. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is the, the reason why I brought it up is in the in the Star Wars comic itself, like, he's actually, like, they, they don't show this in the painted art or anything, but in the Star Wars comic, there's actually a panel where, you know, it's like his one organic eye is, like, shedding a tear over, like, all the yeah. the carnage and, and destroyed, you know, basically all his, his droid friends, you know, having, you know, massacred one another, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I have to admit that they'd kind of make me laugh a little bit because it's yeah, like they kind of like kind of broke it was like all my friends well not all my friends like half my friends half the population of droid world destroyed oh well life's a bitch 
It's like in in the read along book, he gets over. <laughs> Newman. He's like he's he's... Half my droids. It's like, isn't it great that Clixon's going off to find happiness somewhere else away from where his space station originally was? It's like, I did not order you to move away. I wanted you to fly into the sun so we could sacrifice ourselves. He's like, don't want to do that, Roger Roger. <laughs> it's like, we're going to go wherever we want, Roger Roger. You know. Why did I pick a battle droid to be the lone survivor? <laughs> it's like, why is the battle droid the navigator? You know. But, yeah. Oh, but it, it, I, I, I will say, like, I think probably when the funniest things about this book is just how oddly it hits you because when you read it you think oh droid world and eh, clickson's kind of silly and like you know all this stuff but when you read it like like you said earlier Derek, it does come off like a star wars story like i couldn't see this as a movie obviously i don't even know if i could see this as an episode of a tv show but it's like and this sounds like i'm bashing it but i'm not it's really good fan fiction. It's something that happens that doesn't need to happen. It's, it's not an integral part of any storyline. But when you read it, you're like, I like the way the characters were presented. I like these new characters. It was all fun. And it's just this nice little niche of, if you want further adventures of Star Wars, it's like really fun to read, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said to, to you guys at the beginning of this, it's just for me, it's, you know, I, I've got the nostalgia goggles like crazy glued onto my face for this. Like, I don't I don't honestly see anything really wrong with it. It's just, you know, I, I have fun yucking it up about stuff. But I mean, I, I was literally glued to the floor, you know, like where I was like just sitting there, you know, hanging out, eating food listening to this tape over and over again you know like it's like you know turn to side two listen to it again you know like that kind of thing where it's like i i really did love this piece and i, I think especially because you know I, I i suppose you could argue you know who jibs are kind of pretty similar to ewoks and that they're both you know cutesy animals on an alien planet and that kind of thing and and if you if you had to pick one over the other, kind of like what Mike was saying, you know, you you watch the droids cartoon, you rationalize that one because it had to deal with the droids. And this is kind of the same situation. I mean, if you had to pick between Planet of the Hoojibs read along and Droid World read along, you know, you'd kind of go with the Droid World read along because you're like, oh, cool. There's warbots and droids and they're fighting each other. And look, there's the IG-88 model in the background and the tanks and the... You know, all kinds of cool stuff. So I, I, I don't see where you could go wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, I know, like, our Ewoks thing, Mike was kind of, like, not uninterested. He, he enjoyed the story, but he was like, I don't really have a lot to, you know, throw in there. But you seem like you really enjoyed this story, Mike. Did this one just kind of just captivate you more? Yeah, I mean, this, this definitely hit up my nostalgia, like, goggles, like, as well. Like, even if I didn't actually ever read this as a kid, like, I was more familiar with this, I think. And again, like I was like, oh, it's like droids, so it's like robots, so it's like you know, I'd probably be more interested in that than a bunch of fucking teddy bears running around a forest <laughs> or whatever. You're like, this is my wheelhouse. I like robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I I did promise this earlier, and there was a couple of other lines I wanted to, I guess, uh, give credit to as far as brilliant acting. And like Derek said, the acting is not bad. Don't get me wrong. 
But when you do audio recording for a book, there are lines that stand out for you. Uh, a couple of other ones that I really enjoyed was, I am Glixen! <laughs> I don't know why, that just made me laugh when um, I heard it the first time. Also, is Luke's really weird paranoia. It's like, when they pull up to uh, <laughs> the droid world, he's like, yeah, he's some kind of eccentric genius. Just lives alone with a bunch of droids. Really strange. <laughs> it's like, and then they shoot at him, and C-3PO's like, oh, sir, they fired upon us. It's, like, it's just a warning shot. And I'm like, dear God, Luke, are you just not giving me any shits about this damage? <laughs> <laughs> just flying into death. <laughs> I don't care. Well, you know, Luke's like, I don't have to go in there. I'm not a droid. <laughs> we love Master Luke. <laughs> we love Master Luke. He cares so much about us. <laughs> wow. That's it. Droid World. Only a mechanical genius could have built a ship like that out of space salvage. But no, yeah, yeah. Like I'm 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 picking on it in in love because there there, there are certain things when you read them or you hear them, they do bring out the nostalgic glasses and you're like, oh, this is so perfect. But sometimes those nostalgic glasses are, are pretty clear. They're like not, you know. 50, 70, you know, hindsight that sucks. They're actually 2020 pretty clear. The art in this is really great. You know, Dick is an amazing painter. I, I don't know what else he did. I hope he did more because he's an excellent painter. The story is tight and fun. It's not going to blow your mind, but it, it fits. It flows good. It's really fun to read, especially hearing the actors do it. And I just... I'm, I'm like Derek. This just pulls me back in, like to like the old days when I was a kid. You know, eating Campbell's chicken noodle soup with the grilled cheese on my bed and being like, "Yeah, Clixon, you saved those guys from like death with the magnet." And just, Fuck you, Red ZX3. Yeah, you suck. That's my kid voice. Sorry, I have a deep voice, but you know, it, it's 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 nostalgia in all the right ways. It's something that you can look back on. And be like, no, this is still a pretty quality product. This is something that people obviously enjoy doing. They they put some effort into it, and it's it's just it's really good. I I really enjoy like this book. I even enjoy the Marvel comic. I, I enjoy both of them. So everybody, go out there, sign the petition with Disney to make Droid World canon once again. <laughs> oh yeah. Clicks in 2018. Uh, it's too late. C3PO is like, we love Master Disney. Oh, Master Mickey. <laughs> we love Master Walt. <laughs> that Abrams fellow, he's quite interesting. Mickey Mouse is like, ha ha, you're mine now, bitches. <laughs> My name is Mixon. <laughs> there was no droid, no battle droids before the prequels. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I, I guess that pretty much wraps up our, our comments on Droid World. So, we, you know, like I said, I, I just wanted to cover some things and, and, and all of us sort of wanted to cover some stuff that we were, you know, we had fond memories of and were excited to talk about in, in regards to Star Wars. And, and these were some of the, the pieces we, we settled on that we were able to, you know, vocalize about and, and, and share with you guys. So if you haven't checked out any of these things, I mean, I, I don't know that 
I can say you will have the same sense of nostalgia that that we had if you've never checked out Droid World before. But you know, it's fun. I mean, it, it, it's a cool piece. Like we were saying, the art is good, the voice acting is fun. So, I mean, I, I would definitely you know check it out if you haven't. I, I I'm not saying that you can go on YouTube and spend twelve minutes. 12 fucking minutes to get some good enjoyment but you could probably go on youtube and spend 12 minutes listening to a good story yeah so there there you go there's 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 ways there there you know uh, you know sad devoted ancient religions that you know <laughs> catalog these things so you know we, you you can figure it out but I guess what we'll do is is we'll move on to some of our regular segments. What what I've been forgetting to do lately on the shows is actually like refer to some of our our feedback and stuff like that. So I just wanted to not forget to do that this time. And I I did get some feedback from some folks, particularly our buddy John, the engineer nerd from the Action Figure Blues podcast. And he, he IM'd us, and he's tweeted some things here and there. So I just wanted to go over some of those things. One of the comments he had for me via an IM about our Fanholes Fright Fest episode, and this was in relation to the episode on Night Gallery, he basically said, Love the new episode. I do have a question for you guys. How do you think the Nazi story played in 1969? So that was one of the questions he had for us regarding the Night Gallery episode. I don't know if any of you guys want to tackle that or not. I I think it was still fresh in people's minds, and it probably hit a lot harder back then as far as, oh shit, this was like just barely 20 years ago. So, well, you know, I, I think it was more relevant. But I, I think I think even now the 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 context still holds pretty good. So yeah, back then it probably meant a little bit more to people because there was people who were obviously still alive who were just out of service, and they were probably more engrossed by this idea of a Nazi like going through this you know ordeal that he had to go through. At the same time, it was well after the war, so who knows? I mean. Yeah, I, 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 I would have to ask somebody from that time period. I mean, that, that, that is a tough question. That's a good question, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think he's just asking what we think. I mean, obviously, I couldn't answer because I, you know, we were we were not around in 1969. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I'm of two minds about it. I, I kind of think what you thought about it in terms of that it's still relative, you know, it's it's much closer to World War II, you know, 1969 is much closer to World War II than in context, you know, 20, 2016, 2015, you know? Maybe, maybe it was a little more cathartic back then, like, yeah. before, like, you know, after another, like, you know, couple few decades of, like, Nazis being, like, you know, the villains of, like, everything, basically. Right, 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 yeah. I, I, I would like credit for slowly drawing the entire internet into the night gallery. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's funny, like, I, I, I've I seen some posts here and there regarding night gallery, and then I, I posted that episode as well, because, uh, you know, I, I, it was it was like, I think somebody posted a picture of the actual painting, you know, from, oh, okay. from the episode and everything. So I was like, oh, I'm going to share the, the podcast and stuff like that. But yeah, so he just kind of asked us about that. I also just wanted to mention that on the good old Twitters, he did mention to uh, another podcast, uh, Nerd Lunch, 
he he asked them if they had ever covered any James Bond comics. And I guess it's on what Pod James Pod, I guess maybe. I I imagine that means they must do a regular segment on James Bond movies because they, you know, he mentions that we covered some James Bond comics and I guess yeah. they they mentioned that they haven't delved into books and comics yet on Pod James Pod, but we might someday now that we're done with the movies. And he he said that he forgot John forgot that he actually had read the first issue, I guess, of the the James Bond comic, and he's going to have to visit his archives. So there's that. And I, I tell you one guy that listen to the James Bond podcast, Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. And then I guess in relation to that episode, he he did mention that if we haven't gotten our noir fix yet. He recommended to check this comic book out. I guess it's from Moonstone Publishing, and it's called Johnny Dollar, The Brief Candle Matter. So I'd never heard of it. I, I still don't kind of know what it's about exactly. I mean, he posted a link to the Amazon description and everything. So I, I actually think I may check that out because I, he's given a recommendation. And maybe, you know, in the next podcast, I can tell him what I think of it or whatever. But he, he gave that recommendation and stuff. I think last noir comic i read was like a velvet glove cast and iron so yeah i mean i i just wanted to mention like some of those uh you know uh, tweets and everything you know they they uh you know engineer nerd had uh uh you know tweeted out about you know the the episode we did when we talked about the scream tv show and the undertaker comics and all that stuff so he, he's been very supportive of the show and i just didn't want to neglect that so I, you know, I just wanted to give him a shout out and, you know, he's been a guest on our show a few times, even though maybe due to the timey wimey nature of, of our show, you may not have heard those guest spots yet. So, but look forward to those then because the, they will be coming he, he was a very silky smooth voice to guest, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. So, you know, just wanted to mention that because we're, we're getting lots of love and support uh, again. You know, of course, we, we thank everybody for the likes and feedbacks and tweets and all that good stuff. But I guess we can do our, our regularly scheduled segment. If you guys got some stuff to talk about for what's awesome in your world this week, you guys ready and set to do that? Sure thing. All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what about you, Mike? What is your awesome thing this week? I guess I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but uh, like I guess Halo 5 is my awesome thing of like the month. You know, I'm a big Halo <laughs> fan, and a video game fan. And like, you know, I've always, as you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the biggest patience sometimes with video games. Like I give Brian credit for getting into like, you know, more video games that require more. I don't know, like time investment and like building up of things. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm still only like twenty something percent done with Metal Gear Solid Five, and I don't know if I'll ever finish that. But like Halo, like I beat the campaign on the first day, and you know I've still been playing multiplayer with friends of mine. So we're having a lot of fun with that. So yeah, I, I'd say Halo Five is my awesome thing. Cool, cool of the month, like probably. So it'll be it'll be awesome to see what dethrones Halo Five after the next month. So what about you? What about you, Tony? What is your awesome thing of the week? I have two things. Uh, one is actually a gaming thing. Tony talks about games. What the fuck? Um, what? <laughs> what? Worlds are colliding. And and what is a toy thing? Uh, big surprise. I, I I will do the the toy thing first. Uh, we actually got some very preliminary looks at Fortress Maximus, who's going to be coming out in Titan Wars. 
basically, he's big. He's huge. He's Fortress Maximus. He looks pretty good. He's a little chunkier than Metroplex. A lot of people have uh, posited that he's a remold of Metroplex. He's got some added bits to him. I am not going to sit here and say that I'm 100% in love with him. But at the same time, I really like Fortress Maximus as a character. And he's never been done right since his original toy. Like, And when I say done right, I mean at all. He's never had another toy except for third party. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hoping he is not just a Metroplex remold. I'm hoping he is his own thing. But time will tell. I like the figure as far as the small, kind of grainy images we saw. He looks interesting. And he does have the uh, triple head combiner thing. Uh, I, I think you said, Mike, you're hoping it's not spiking. It's actually Galen, right? Yeah, I was like, it'd be cool if they named that headmaster Galen or, you know, whatever, the Marvel Comics guy instead of Spike. But probably not. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, would, it would be a nice touch. Yeah, the, the Nebulos guy, yeah. The Nebulon. And also, this one just took me by storm. It just, like, rocked my world because I, I like it when people get together and they have fun and they actually try to give something to the fans. Now coming to the stage on Super Smash Brothers is fucking Cloud Strife. He is in Super Smash Brothers now, and that he is a PlayStation character, more or less. I mean, there have been Final Fantasies on Nintendo, but Final Fantasy VII was completely PlayStation only. And for him to be in Smash Brothers, there, there was a lot of posts. I've looked at a lot of reaction videos, and everybody was like, the doors have been broken off the hinges. You can have anybody in Smash Brothers now. And this was just, you know, recently after, you know, we had a lot of other big names, you know, like Mega Man and stuff. And I, Smash Brothers is just killing it with this added content. I mean, Mike, what do, you, what do you think about Cloud Strife being in Smash Brothers? I think it's cool. I mean, I don't see it as any kind of revolutionary thing. I mean, they had Solid Snake in the last game. I mean, he's a big yeah. P PS icon, and I mean, they just Ryu was uh, added like, yeah. a few months ago. So, but you know, it, it's cool. I mean, I, I just played it like last week with my friends. We had like six people over, and, and six GameCube or Wii controllers. So we had, we had a, you know, I did my usual Pikachu strategy of just jumping around, throwing the the Shazam <laughs> bolt down on everyone. But you know, it was a fun time. But. I, I, you know, if if I had if I bought a Wii U, like it would be probably for that game. So, yeah, that that seems yeah. like that's the fun game to to play with with uh, a bunch of folks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah that I mean, it didn't blow my mind. It was just it was just one of the things where I didn't see it coming, and I was like, holy shit, okay, that happened. So yeah, yeah, those are my two awesome things. So Fortress Maximus, he's getting a good toy. I know Mike. I know you're 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 probably hesitant like i am because we saw grainy footage but like that is cool he, he like it's been building up that he's probably going to be in titan masters anyway he seems to be the selling point so like were you excited for it or you're just like like me kind of cautious but excited i mean it, he looks cool i mean it, it's kind of like i never got metroplex so i mean I, I don't know if i'll ever you know want to pony up the money for him but he looks cool i mean and i i I think he is a retool of Metroplex, but, like, they're doing a good job of, like, you know, doing really extensive, like, retooling on these things to make them completely, like, different, like, figures. So, you know, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, my, my awesome things is uh, Fortress Maximus and Cloud Strife and Smash Bros. Cloudo! 
<laughs> Crowder. Awesome. I never thought this would happen. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I yeah, I'm kind of surprised by all the the extra character selection you get in Super Smash Brothers. For mine, I'll just go real quick. Uh, this last week, I got in the mail Tridoron from the SH Figure Arts, and that is the that's the car of Common uh, Rider Drive. It's not a it's not a cheap. SH Figure Arts by any means, but it is, it's a web exclusive. It was something that I had my eye on. I wasn't sure if I was going to pull the trigger on it or not, but I did. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's a fun, I mean, basically it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of a a car for, I guess you'd say what, you know, 5.5, six inch scale, you know, figure arts figures. Uh, My intention was to get the SH Figure Arts for Common Rider Drive with the car, like to get them shipped at the same time. But I guess they, you know, ran out of that figure when I made the order for the car. So right now I just have the car, but it is very cool. <laughs> Gaim's got a new ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's a cool car. Um, you can put in um, AAA batteries and the headlights come on and the taillights come on. So it's got the little, you know, the brake lights and the uh, the headlights as well. And um, it's, it's pretty weighty. I, I imagine there's some metal or die cast involved in the construction although you know the majority of it is probably really nice plastic and you can actually transform it i guess i didn't really try to mess around with it too much but you know you know how on the show tony he he can like make that sort of like flying pod and i guess the other bikes connect to it or whatever like that kind of thing so you you can kind of sort of take away pieces of the car and create that you know does he do the grapple mode too uh, I think so, because there are, like, all these extra parts that you can connect to the car and stuff like that. So, you can definitely transform the car. And then the other thing I thought was kind of neat is he seems to come with uh, a number of additional belt buckle pieces for the, you know, the the belt, you know. So, Beltosan, you know, can... Oh, okay. He, oh, he, is, basically, is he's is got a bunch of... Is it, is it the tire Kokon? Well, yeah, it's like he, he can have a bunch of different expressions. So I think you can put those on oh. the belt or you can put those on the, the you know, windshield or screen or whatever, you know. So he's got like the, you know, the happy face and the, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, basically all these different. The, the, the bare face. And the, yeah. yeah a, you know, blushy face, like whatever you want to call it, you know, like th- those kind of faces and stuff like that. Luckily, I don't think there were any decals that I had to apply. So on that sense, I was always scared of decals. So I didn't really have to worry about that. It is, you know, pretty collector friendly. I took it out of the box once, messed around with it a little bit, put in the batteries and I put it back in the box and it's going to sit in the box for a while until maybe I get the drive figure and decide to take some pictures with it. But it's cool. It's expensive, but it was it was cool. I was I was glad. I, I, I will definitely say, like, me and you have been talking about this for, like, months because, you, like you said, you're waiting to pull the trigger. And I'm not saying I influenced you, but I was like, that, that tried around is pretty cool. And you're like, yeah, I know. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's like one of those things, though, where it's like it's a web exclusive and it's like that, you know, the, the Hulkbuster Iron Man level of expensive, you know, type thing. So you're just kind of like, oh, do I really need this? You know, and it's like, no, I don't. But it's cool. So fuck it. You know, so, you know, I just I, I grabbed it and, um, you know. I'm I'm happy I did. I mean, it, it does. Oh, yeah. It is a cool looking. It is a cool looking car. So. Yeah, it, it definitely like when I saw it, I was like, 
damn, that's nice. <laughs> you know? All right, so I mean, I guess that pretty much wraps up Awesome Thing of the Week. This is our second installment of Star Wars Month here on the Fan Holes podcast. Our goal is to have a month-long Star Wars content for everybody. They may not all be podcasts, but we're going to try to have, you know, at least something Star Wars, you know, for every week in December. And we are hoping to kick off the final week with a review from us at the fan holes on Star Wars The Force Awakens. So that's that's basically the plan moving forward. So that's that's kind of where we're headed towards in terms of this month. So we, we hope you've enjoyed the coverage so far. I know we, we talked about the Dark Horse series, The Star Wars, and you know now we've talked about Droid World and Shadows of Endor. And then we'll, we'll have some other special comic book type stuff for you next week. And so uh, if you enjoy this kind of content, you know, please stay tuned and let everybody know about it. Uh, it seems to be the cool hip thing to do to, uh, to do a bunch of cool Star Wars stuff, you know, for the month of December. So hopefully our content is interesting and informative. And uh, again, you know, thanks for all the likes and feedbacks and everything. And until the next time. This is going to be Derek, Derek WC, yub-nubbing off. It's Mike, wubba-wubba. This is Tony. One of their podcasts talks about Ewoks and Androids. Come on. C three, C three, and then like some uh, someone's got it. Like another droid's got to be like, who's that? And then like you know, what's his face? Uh, the dude's got to like hit him and be like, you idiot! It's Z three. Like, <laughs> oh my, who is that? Like, what is Z three's evil plan? Find out in Marvel Comics. <laughs> is Z three going to really rape Z three PO? Find out in Marvel Comics. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Oh my, we love Master Luke. It's, it's, it, yeah, it, he'd probably like say that and like like they you know they have to like talk so fast. It's like oh my, we love Master Luke, like <laughs> really quick. Like in those commercials. Ultra Magnus. Yeah. It's like oh my god, they've captured the the, the Cobra officer. That's part of my plan. Ha ha. <laughs> hmm. How will we get out of this without you? I guess we're doomed. <laughs> All I was right. going through all those old commercials like a couple weeks ago because I was trying to find Transformers ones. I still I'm still trying to put that together. So that's all oh, like okay. fresh in my mind. I know. That's what you've been I- I- exposing yourself to yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah, I saw I saw the Dudicus one that you put up on Botalk, yeah. I, lo- I love how in those first, like, early G.I. Joe ones, like Destro has like a high pitched voice and Cobra Commander has like a low voice. <laughs> Come, Commander, what are we going to do? Well, yes. Destro. <laughs> He's like, I will attack the G.I. Joes. And Cobra Commander's like, of course, Destro. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, but it's G.I. Joe! Real back here, hero! Meanwhile, Duke at the pit comes up with a plan. I say, I'm Duke, and I'm very much American. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think, Snake Eyes? Well, I'm Snake Eyes, and I'm mute. <laughs> I don't got nothing to say. All right, so we're 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 clearly taping, so we're all good to go. Scarlet, you're the only vagina here. What's your thoughts? <laughs> She's like, nobody beats Giorgio. Free American. It's like she busts out that chainsaw during the cold slither number and sticks it between her crotch and whatever the fuck they did in that episode. You're like, whoa, slow down there, Missy. <laughs> oh. She's got tits. She's a chick. Did we mention she's got tits, Scarlet? Didn't have a ponytail in the original release. Yeah. She likes fucking a dude who wears a mask, Scarlet. That'd be like her her, her upgraded toy with a ponytail. It's like now Scarlet's got a ponytail. Oh my god. Hello, stores now. Ponytail. What's that don't have. She's With got a ponytail, sir. Ponytail. Scarlet's got a ponytail. Kung Fu action grip on the ponytail. That ponytail's taking out half the Cobra army. What are we going to do? Let's send out the Cobra Pogos. <laughs> <laughs> My God, she's sniping people with her ponytail holding a crossbow. They're really excited about the, co- <laughs> the Cobra Pogo. <laughs> Cobra Pogos. Cobra <laughs> <laughs> Like Cobra Commander's like totally it's like <laughs> He's totally like this fucking thing is awesome <laughs> That's I could kiss you <laughs> Like Hawks like all panicked by it. He's like, Oh no, it's the Cobra Pogo All hope is lost <laughs> Just like the just flying everywhere. It just flies by like Falcon. He just hear yeah. <laughs> and that's why Falcon turned to drugs. <laughs> he was suffering from like PST, PTSD after facing the Cobra Pogo. I just saw a guy in battle armor passing around in a ship called a Pogo. Man, I fought giant flying. I fought giant flying Burgess Merediths on fucking hamburger meat made out of vegetables and pogos and shit. Uh. Yeah, well, either that or he dreamt up the, Kogo po- the Cobra Pogo when he was on drugs. Like, Cobra Law? No, Lieutenant Falcon has never saved the world from Cobra Law. <laughs> <laughs> Cover commander is like tooling around, bouncing. That's a good trick. <laughs> He's like, "You weird bird-looking guy, let's go on my cobra pogo." <laughs> How can they fight us? I've got a bow pogo, and you've got birds. It's genius. Man, crystal ball, the Doctor Druid of Cobra Commands. <laughs> The only reason I got on this tact is because what's his face Z nine three sounds just like Destro. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I wrote down in my notes. I was like, yeah. oh, 
dude sounds like I wrote down the actor's name too because I was like he sounds just like it. I think both of them sound like it, like Clixon and him. Like yeah, it's just maybe I think he's it's modulating his voice. But, uh, what's his name? Arthur Burghardt? Or... Yeah, yeah. That's that's what my speculation was as well. So, secret, secret brothers. <laughs> ZX3 is gonna rape you with a wrench. We love Master Luke. <laughs> Just think of Christmas. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't think of Christmas. Think of Life Day. Think of Life Day. Think of Life Day. <laughs> think of Life Day. <laughs>